Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Living Room Logic. Welcome to Living Room Logic, a place for you to chill out and have a laugh with two scientists who know too much about very, very little. This episode, we talk about insects, why they give us the heebie jeebies, how some act like secret agents, and how the rest are basically tiny sex freaks. Be a part of our colony and join the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Come find us on Instagram or Twitter or other social media that your extended family uses. Sit back and enjoy this many-legged chinwag. Okay, lads. Well, welcome to um, the next episode of our podcast where we Mm. talk about all things weird and wonderful. Um, And this week, we're going to talk about insects. And bugs and all sorts of creepy crawlies and why we hate them and why I love them. I hate them. Yes, Andrew hates them. I hate them. (laughs) We have no idea why. Well, actually, there are several reasons why. But um, to be honest, before we even get into why humans are so scared of them, um, and and also how we could benefit from them. What what are bugs? What are creepy crawlies? Well, I mean, bugs have first of all, all bugs are arthropods. Um, arthropods are made up of segments of. Uh, they all have exoskeletons. Okay, that's basically just a word for. I have my skeleton on the outside of my body. I'm really weird. Um, and that's pretty much <laughs> what insects are. Wow, nice. <laughs> and one of the weirdest things about insects is, uh, you know, why why are we so afraid of them? Humans have phobias of many things, and spiders and insects are one of them. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah, so it's really interesting thinking about fears and phobias, and just fear in itself. You're only born with two fears at a baseline, and the two fears you're born with are loud noises... And you're mm-hmm. born with a fear of falling. Okay. Okay. So the fear of falling is obviously self-preservation. And you associate loud noises with a call a call for help. Uh, you'd hear another human be loud. That means there's a problem. There's a danger. So it's a very innate thing. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these experiences of fear try to signal you that there's danger and to trigger you to be motivated to defend yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You do that and you learn from it and you survive. So every time you're afraid of something and you change what you're doing and you survive, mm-hmm. you're, you're encouraging yourself to become afraid. Okay, so to okay. kind of help yourself, which is kind of why it, it kind of inherently says that when you're afraid of spiders, they're inherently bad. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which I am. I'm a huge, huge arachnophobe. Okay, and um, there's a lot of different like reasonings behind why we're afraid of spiders and all of that stuff. Um, one of them is that there's a thing called spider trauma. Where, okay. where, where if you were very young and you ran into a spider web or something, you would be freaked out by it and it would stick with you. And they actually did a study and they looked and talked to a lot of arachnophobes who and asked when you were very young, did you have an experience like that? And there was a good portion of them that did. So there is a portion like that. The other one is... It's somewhere between genetic and familial, your, your growing up environment. So let's say you were growing up and your your mother was afraid of spiders and every time mm-hmm. your mother saw a spider she called the, the father in and the father dealt with the spider and went away you would learn from that yeah you would say oh god okay uh, get someone else to deal with that mm-hmm. okay so you're saying a lot of yeah. it is from an environmental it's it's almost all environmental stress 
that's it. Yeah, uh, that's it, it, it's kind of you learn, you you look, you learn, you copy, and you survive. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the idea. There's other ideas too, which I kind of like. There's like the idea of the scaredy cat genes, okay. where the if you think like in a perspective of evolution, right? Mm-hmm. The more afraid you are of things that could kill you, the less likely you are to be killed by those things. Yeah, that's a great way yeah. of looking at that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is it means that it's it's encouraging more and more humans to be scaredy cats. Okay. So you, you're more and more likely to be afraid of these insects, these uh, bugs, these spiders, all these different things. Mm-hmm. So it, that's another thing. But um, that's that's all a lot of the main theories. But one that I think I can... Um, I can really empathize with is the sheer unpredictability of spiders. Okay. It's the, it's, it's how, when you look at a spider, you just don't know what they're going to do. And there's a fear in that. And I could look at another person who was, who I was afraid of. And I know what's in their ability to do. Mm-hmm. I know how fast they could run at me. I know if they could lunge at me. I know the distance they could cover. I have my escape routes. But when you look at a spider, you don't know if it's going to be a slouch and just casually walk around the room or if it's going to be all leggy and erratic and freak you out or freak me out anyway. No, because no, you're totally right. Like, I yeah. remember a couple of weeks back, I, oh my God, I was in bed and I was uh, on my laptop. I had my uh, blanket over me and mm. I had the light on. Mm. And this huge spider, and when I say huge spider, everyone says huge spider. It was probably like the size of a of a you know I I know a couple. It was like two or three centimeters, um, from okay. from you know back leg to to front leg. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it just like flew over the top of the sheet and went down the side of the bed, <laughs> and then I had to go and catch it. No, Aiden, why? And so I got a cup and everything, but every time I went to like push the cup against the side of the bed, mm. it would move so quick and that yeah. scared the the hell out of me. It scared Absolute, the hell yeah. out of me. And that is super fair. Um, yeah, I that's something that gets me. And there was a study that even looked at, they asked people what was the thing about spiders that bother you the most and it wasn't the fear of bites. They weren't afraid of getting a bite in their sleep. They were afraid oh. of legginess. <laughs> that's what they said they were like the, the move, there's you can, too many legs <laughs> there's too many legs and they, they, it was that you have the fear that you can't track their movement it's too quick it's too sudden it's too unpredictable and I don't like it and mm. it's um, it, it, it comes back to you can't put yourself into a spider's shoes you can't because the spider most spiders have terrible eyesight and they mostly see by feeling vibrations, right? Yeah. That's, that's how they exist. They make a web and they feel the vibrations on the web and most can't see shit. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a big ass spider or a co- spider in the corner of your room. Yeah. They don't even know you exist. Mm-hmm. If, if they're reacting to you, they're just seeing a big movement and mm-hmm. like anything, if you were a teeny tiny creature, you would see a big movement and you'd be like, I should probably hide. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that is. I, and you're going, oh, God, it's coming after me. And there, the bug's going, oh, God, it's coming after me. <laughs> I know. And, you know, yeah. actually, uh, you know, you make a really good point there about uh, the spider's perception and, and its scale is completely different to ours. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, our scale is is also we are bounded by our scale as well. We um, absolutely are. I, I think, um, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's a crazy thing to think about, but it's exactly it's exactly why we get this feeling of fear because we can we simply cannot predict what a spider is going to do next, and that's mm-hmm. what freaks us out. We because. We we empathize with other human beings by putting ourselves in their shoes. We look at what their motivations would be and mm-hmm. we become less afraid of them. We can yeah. do the same thing with dogs and cats because we know that a dog will cry for food and we know a cat will scratch you if it's pissed. Mm-hmm. But spiders don't have the same cognition. A spider isn't going to hold a grudge. Yeah, You know, a, a spider isn't going to call you cheap. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, a spider, it, it's on a completely different uh, wavelength of what it's looking for. It's just trying to feel the right kind of vibration in its environment for some unfortunate fly so it can have some grub. Right. That's about it. Okay. Um, yeah. And so there are other... Um, there are other insects and bugs that might appear like they're a little bit kind of like us a little. I mean, mm. um, for instance, I mean, ants, wasps, bees, they all have this weird sort of hierarchical society where some of them, first of all, they form these big colonial homes. Mm. So... Uh, which are amazing uh, yeah they are they're these incredibly kind of complex structures um you know wasps and bees they'll form hives and ants will form these big underground mm. colonies um yeah, yeah. and i i have to say i i must dote on ants they are absolute geniuses okay <laughs> and uh i've 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 done a bit of research on them and i still don't really understand how they can communicate as a colony. Yeah, which is um, so cool. I think which it's... Which is so cool. It is. And so, yeah. for instance, I mean, all of these animals are actually... The reason why ants, wasps and bees, they all have these sort of colonies. First of all, you go back to their evolution. They're actually quite evolutionarily similar. Their okay. ancestors evolutionarily are much closer than, say... Um, other insects okay so so that's they they all uh, one of their ancestors would have evolved um uh, you know this colonial uh, Mm. behavior um back i mean uh, some researchers think it's as as far back as uh the time of the dinosaurs when (laughs) yeah so they've been doing this and evolving this over time some for some reason um they have been ve- benefiting more and more over time from building colonies. And mm. uh, we've we've basically figured out, uh, we being not me again. Uh, of course. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, researchers <laughs> of ants and bees, not the people us. who actually did the work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a marine biologist, Andrew, you're a neuroscientist. All right, let's get this yeah. straight. Yeah, but we- uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like ant colonies are pretty cool. Um, yeah. First of all, Ants compartmentalize their colonies. Um, Which is amazing. Yeah, there's these storage areas for their little babies, their pupae, <laughs> that's what they're called. Um, their storage oh. areas for food. Um, okay. And even ants have these certain storage areas in their colonies for farming. Um, so ants can actually farm. So that's what? In, like farm what? They f- So, okay, they go out into their perception of the world around them which is probably maybe 10 20 meters around their colony and they um so certain species will um take sections of leaves and they'll bring the leaves back to the farm storage area in their colony okay and they bring this type of fungus back it's this right. white it's this white fungus and so they bring it back as well and what the fungus does it is it breaks the leaves down into simple sugars oh and my God. Okay. they the ants can eat the simple sugars much easier than the leaves wow so they grow this wow. in their little colonies um it's it's absolutely amazing that and so crazy how do they communicate this though you know like um basically researchers have figured out that they all okay first of all they all communicate using their butt okay so (laughs) (laughs) first of all that's weird insects are weird i like that it redefines the butt dial i like (laughs) it Sure so they butt dial each other almost constantly um but they release these pheromones okay, okay. and they're they're chemical signals in the air so it's a scent it's it's a scent their antennae mm. have really really complex um uh, smell sensors Okay, okay, so they don't necessarily have a nose like us. We take mm. in air and we receive mm-hmm. the, the signal inside of our nose. But they actually, mm-hmm. their noses are on their antennae and that's how mm. they sense um, the butt dials. Um, that's really cool. So all of these ants are leaving a trail of butt dials 
um, behind them. And so they're basically <laughs> telling everyone else what they're doing all the time. So God. <laughs> depending on what type of ant you are, um, y- whether you're the queen ant and you're making all the babies in the middle of the colony, um, whether you're the worker ant, which always stays inside the colony, they're always staying mm. inside following all the, like, the chemical cues of all the other worker ants. Yeah, yeah. You know, the warrior ants are the much bigger ants that are outside protecting the colony. And That's they're the following speak. signals of all of the other warrior ants. And so, and then you have nursery ants, of course, who yeah, are yeah, yeah. Um, taking care of the babies. The babies. The, ugh. Yeah, I'm sorry, but, something really puts me off about little ant buggy nurseries it just really <laughs> freaks me out i'm like oh it's, it is it's it's kind of freaky but at the Ugh. same time it makes you think that's that's like it's that's not alien f- dude it's, it's no it, it I, is alien but it's, it's not like, too far oh, off from i know what we're it's, doing. i have the oddest image of like all of these baby ants wrapped up in little blankets behind a screen and all the like little ant mommy and daddies looking through at one one little ant and the nurse goes yours is the other one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just have that that image in my head and i'm but, just like Ugh. but it's like the reality is is that there's just one mom and she's just like i'm so tired you know <laughs> bring me ice cream you know so like <laughs> constantly constantly popping out these little babies so yeah, yeah. oh god well, that An- answer just crazy my god yeah but then you know yeah, that's tough going that's that, a tough job that brings us on to the fact that i mean first of all bugs and and insects they they have so many different functions they do so many yeah. different things um and I have a a, um, a little section of short stories to uh, to say to to the people. Well, this is going to be a pleasant sequel to your Goldilocks telling. In oh the last yeah, one. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave a really good analogy of Goldilocks. Andrew was so impressed that he just was, laughed was... the whole time. <laughs> it was wonderful, and don't worry, I'm going to laugh with you throughout this one the whole time. Okay, so this is a this is a little story I like to call insects are weird and wonderful. Okay, oh so God. it's just it's just a, a, some 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 little facts for you. Okay, <laughs> so <clears throat> for instance, in the Californian desert, larval blister beetles hatch out of shallow burrows in the sand, and they cl- climb tall grass and branches, forming squirming balls of brown larvae on top of the grass shoots and the branches. Oh. By doing this, and by releasing special pheromones, they mimic a female digger bee, which a male digger bee who flies by will spot and try to have sex with, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Exactly. So, while the male digger bee tries to ride the lump of beetle larvae, Larvae jump onto the bee's back, of course. They hop off the male digger bee's back when it goes back to its burrow, where the beetle larvae will eat the digger bee's food and the digger bee's babies. So, in conclusion, larval blister beetles are like huge bee STIs who will eat all the food in your gaff and your babies. Oh my god. (laughs) Don't worry, there's more. Oh, God. Uh, this next one's kind of short and sweet. Snail arses are positioned above their heads. <laughs> that wasn't sweet. <laughs> Real smart mother nature. Uh, next but one. That, no, I, sorry. I need to interrupt that because that reminds me of a bloody uh, Robin Williams quote. Where oh, he, my God. What did he say? He said, what, kind, what, ge- what genius designed the human body to put a pleasure center next to a waste management unit? <laughs> <laughs> and that just reminded me so and much. for of, the case of the snail, of, it's yeah. a thing called torsion. But yeah, in the case yeah. of the snail, um, yeah, it's like your waste management above your thought wow. center. Wow. Um, so it'd be, very yeah. easy to, it'd be very easy to talk shite. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I loved that way too much. Um, okay next one Malaysian centipedes are evil bastards that will try to kill anything that moves Mm. that's it oh that's it so um, yeah another short one Uh, many species of female bug will attempt to eat a male either during or after sex 
And this includes wolf spiders Ooh. and praying mantises. So oh God. they like a little dinner, you know, during the during the show. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, two two more little stories for you. I'm excited. This is kind of a cooler one and it's not really to do with sex and or eating babies, which is nice. Okay. Um, so again in California maybe that's a theme about having weird insects uh, you know Australia is another place <laughs> but uh, in California there's these bugs called cicadas they're these uh, we see them um, on trees as these winged little they look like maybe a couple centimeters in size and they're really loud and annoying um, mm-hmm. but uh, a certain species of cicada lives underground for most of their life uh, but ever, every 17 years um, in perfect harmony they crawl out of their burrows climb the nearest tree they grow wings and have a super loud sex party joke it's about sex oh my god <laughs> So the really cool thing about this is that scientists think that they can tell the passing of time from changes in the soil chemistry. So, um, but the, but yeah, so the cicadas are in the burrows for, for okay. you know yeah. seventeen years at a time, okay. and the really confusing thing is, okay, how do they know that seventeen years have passed? Wait, wait, wait! Can you go back again to so they're in the ground for seventeen years? Yeah. Right. And then okay. after 17 years, after <laughs> okay. counting to 17 somehow, okay. yeah. then they're like, okay, now it's time to have a massive orgy. That's insane. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Wow. Okay. Wow. Final one. And this is really cool. This is like about, this is like a James Bond story. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> An Eknuman wasp is like a secret agent. Its mission is to infiltrate an ant's nest to hide its wasp eggs in plain sight so they are protected by ants without them even knowing. So first the wasp enters an ant colony and releases a special pheromone. Again, pheromones popping up. Mm. Um, the pheromone causes the ants to actually all freak out and attack each other. Okay. Okay. Right. So in this pandemonium, the Echnuman wasp stealthily injects some ant larvae, which are pupae, with its own babies. So the, the wasp injects baby ants with baby wasps. Like the eggs? Like the eggs, yeah. Why? Wow. I, I Because... I okay. Several months later, these eggs hatch. As fully grown Echnuman wasps that escape the colony... And the ant, so those ant babies were consumed by the wasp eggs. Wow. That's like that, a, that's like a that James sucks. Bond movie. Like, yeah, but that sucks if you're the mama. Yeah. You're like, oh, look, my babies are hatching. And then there's these evil things that want to kill you coming out. Like Exactly. And because, oh again, many insects have taken advantage of the fact that ants communicate by using pheromones because they coat themselves in that same scent. Oh my God. So there's uh, those Echnuman wasps. They infiltrate ant colonies without the ants even knowing. Um, That's so smart. Jumping spiders do the same. So jumping spiders just literally eat ants and the other ants are like, hey, cool, what's up, bro? (laughs) They're like, you're a pretty cool looking ant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what up, bro? <laughs> hey, bro, mind if I eat you? Yeah, yeah. cool, bro. Oh, oh, sick. Nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Aiden, that was... Wow. Okay. That That's... That's incredible. I'm... I'm... Without words as to what even to talk about. So, basically, bugs are absolute freaks. Yeah, they are freaks. I have, I have, a, I have an example or two myself that I can add to that. So... My my next two, um, my my next two bugs, um, they were so weird that they had to use a different animal to name it. <laughs> so the first one is the scorpion fly. Okay. Okay, and this is literally it looks like a scorpion with big ass wings. Okay, well, okay. never ever bring one of those near me, please. Okay. Well, the interesting thing about this is that it it has a, a taste. For dead human bodies. 
And they use these flies what? if they're searching for dead bodies. So if you get a big old jar of these things yeah. and release them, they'll go find the nearest dead human body. These scorpion oh. flies. So yeah, um, screw that. Screw yeah. that. Screw that. Okay, I've. this is the nightmare fuel section. The next one is the camel spider. Okay, the camel spider has a beak. Okay, the camel spider has a beak. What? Yes, it lives in the deserts near Afghanistan, okay? And it getting bitten by this, it doesn't have any venom or anything like that. Okay. But, it'll, but it can bite you like a small dog or an angry cat. Oh my god. These are big ass dudes, okay? And there was a funny story that came out of one of the US bases in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And what happened here was that the camel spiders were just being born and maturing in a nearby burrow by a U.S. Army base. Okay. And the U.S. Army had eight cadets on patrol. And all of these camel spiders were coming out of their burrow. This was their time for adulthood. (gasps) And they all burst out of the burrow. Now, the soldiers, they just saw a small army of big ass (laughs) spiders coming at them and they thought they were under attack shots shots were fired um they thought they were being under attack but the thing is the camel spider is a desert dwelling insect okay Okay. or bug i should say and it chases shadows because it sees a shadow as a safe place to go to under okay. the sun. Oh. So you're running away and the spiders were chasing all of these soldiers' shadows whilst the soldiers were sprinting because in their panic they thought that it w- they were under attack and someone had released and trained an army of, spiders. of camel spiders <laughs> with <laughs> these big-ass spiders with beaks. Yeah. Oh, what a, yeah. What a sensory miscommunication, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. Oh. Number three. This one is the Goliath bird eater. Mm-hmm. This is a spider, and its legs can be as long as 11 inches. Oh, oh yeah. God. Get that into your head, that dirty, dirty image. These spiders will <laughs> lay webs so big and so damn strong that they catch birds. Oh, my God. Do they, physic- they physically they catch They physically them? catch... They, no, no, it's not like a baseball catch. It's like in a web. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They like jump out and like wrap their yeah. freaky arms around the bird, you know? Oh, that is a terrifying image. Yeah. And I don't like it. But, I, I, yeah. I, I, I saw... I saw one of them uh, in person. Um, I think it was a bird eater, like a Brazilian bird eater. Oh, my um, God. And one of the weirdest things about them was not the fact that they, like, eat birds. Like, I, I feel like that should be the most freaky thing about, yeah, about a spider. But yeah. um, uh, one of the experts in, in Galway was telling me that uh, they flick hairs. Went, went to deter predators of them that because there so are predators weird. of those large spiders um uh, certain you know like wild dogs or, or large I predators suppose, ca- large yeah, cats but, would eat them oh, but um I, the the hairs that are flicked from the back of their abdomen can go in your eyes and turn you blind no way that's so messed up. So apparently these things are not feared for the fact that they eat birds, because that's f- the freakiest thing ever, <laughs> but the fact that they can cause blindness and they can, they'll can they blind nuts. anything that co- goes behind it and it uh, threatens it. That makes a load of sense. And I hope I never encounter one of them. Yes, we let's... That sounds terrible. Let's stay in Ireland, Andrew. Terrible. It, let, let's stay in Ireland. We just have to deal with the... The garden spider, which is about the size of a mug. I'll t- um, I'll tell you the sp- I don't know I I that one in my room that was huge. Yeah, I yeah I saw a garden spider. It was in my room, and it was so big that I was in the dark and I could see it on the wall. <laughs> I was in the dark and I could see it moving down my wall, and I literally oh. t- turned on the light. Myself and herself were panicking, and I grabbed the nearest 
thing, which luckily was a book and not something that would shatter, and just right. like like a like a caveman, just out of instinct, just lobbed it at it. <laughs> and like I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't, yeah. but I'm a different person under fear. I felt, you know, I couldn't do it. Like, I felt like I was protecting the tribe and myself, you know. Well, I think, look, look, you did. You did in the end. I did. So, you know, are there any, are there any things that can affect bugs? Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Are, are there Are there other, like, microbes and stuff that can affect bugs and kill them so that we don't have to deal with them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there are. There's freaky deaky rickety dickety parasites. Okay. okay. And we, we've barely mentioned these any parasites at all, but I'll quickly go into the parasites that make crickets commit suicide. Huh. Oh, yeah, man. Okay, these are these are mean, mean things. And uh, if you if you ever watched a zombie movie, this is a this is a scarily real example. Mm-hmm. So these little parasites are called hair worms, okay? And what they do is they will infect a cricket that goes near water that they're in. Mm-hmm. The hairworms will go into the cricket. They will multiply in the cricket. But then they need to go back to the water, Aiden, to continue mate, reproduce, keep up their work, infect some other crickets. Yeah, they need to get crickets. back to the water, yeah. So what these hairworms do is they actually change the neurochemistry in the cricket's brain and says... Nah, you don't need water or you don't need food. You don't need anything like that. You just want to keep going towards the light. You want to keep going towards the light. So what happens is during the daytime, these crickets have an awful time just basically flinging themselves at the sun. But then at nighttime, the crickets will not be able to see anything as bright. But when they come across water that reflects the moonlight... They'll dive into the water. Oh my god. And the hairworms will release themselves from their generous vessel until they can find another poor cricket to do this to. This is getting proper spooky season right now. Uh, Absolutely, because all we have to do is get rid of the search for light and the search for brains. (laughs) (laughs) And we literally have every zombie movie ever. (laughs) Well, the only other thing that affects, uh, that is like parasitic in that way, like turns certain insects into like sort of Mm zombie-like, that I can think of is the cordyceps fungi. Um, okay. And so uh, they based a whole uh, video game series off of it. It's called The Last of Us. If you want to see oh, that, yeah, trailers yeah, yeah. for it. It's super scary. But the idea is that, well, it's not an idea. It's, I mean, they found them. Uh, these fun fungi, they infect snails and, I don't know, crickets, all sorts mm. of things. And the fungus slowly rots their brain. Um, and it causes them oh my God. to start, like, it causes animals that wouldn't usually climb trees to climb up to the tops of trees. And once they're at the top of the tree, the fungus finally kills them and then uses their dead body to grow off of. And then oh they God. grow an actual mushroom out of the top of the head and the spores are at the top of the tree and they are dispersed Oh my god. Several kilometers. Oh my god. How creepy is that? I hate it. Imagine being the kind of person who just likes climbing trees. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you find yourself a nice, nice tree that you're like, oh, this is good now. You get your little gear out and you're climbing it and you get to the top and you're like, I'll take a nice picture and you realize you're not alone. No, there's, there's a bunch there's... of these zombie snails staring at you. <laughs> With the little mushrooms come out of the heads, you'd think you'd gone nuts. But the the scary oh thing God. about that idea is that in that video game series, they made the leap that uh, the leap to you know fictional assumption that these cordyceps moved to mammals and to humans. Wow! And so that these cordyceps fungi could uh, you know turn people feral, and that they would eventually uh, wind up. You know, either whatever yeah, yeah. at the top of a building or something, and they die at the top of the building. It's crazy. Wow, yeah. I, I never got around to playing that, but I literally everyone I talk to, they're like one of the best games ever. 
Oh, what a, what a what a what yeah. a what a wonderful story, and it's such yeah, a cool man. thing from an actual biological phenomenon that affects insects. So yeah, that's man. one way that we can kill insects. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but don't give them too much power. <laughs> don't, <laughs> yeah, don't encourage this. I know. It's, know? Yeah, don't encourage this. Yeah, yeah man. Gosh, God, that's and crazy. So, other than these fungi and these, uh, you know, insects being parasites of other insects, um, do insect are insects are carriers of disease themselves? Yeah, man, loads. Like we know loads of them off the, off just off of our backs. Like the most obvious one is malaria. Everyone's mm. heard of malaria. We've all, any time you've had to, every time you've had to go to another country you've had to get tablets or something like that malaria is crazy dude like yeah. malaria is in like 91 countries there's like 500 million people are at risk uh that's like and no there's 500 million cases there's been 500 million cases and about 40 percent of the world is at risk of getting malaria did you just say 40 40 four zero oh my god yeah and but like there's loads of stuff loads of big issues like like uh, there's the whole thing with the bill gates foundation where they see malaria as being a huge factor that has impeded the growth of africa mm -hmm. as a continent um like the economic growth because the frequency of people getting malaria and just being ill and or getting sick yeah. anything like that really has an impact on being able to have consistent growth which is crazy but one thing which i found also really crazy was that there's one that i was less familiar with, with called the uh, the denge fever right okay uh, i hope i'm pronouncing that right good grief but it's this has 2500 million people at risk right and I've never even heard of it. And there's about 20 million cases per year, right? And this causes, like, it causes tiredness. But in its worst state, it can cause, like, meningitis and, and hemorrhage and kill people. But it's so infectious, right, that in 1995 in Central America, there was an epidemic of this fever that lasted 15 years. Oh my god. 15 years, dude. And and this and both of these things, malaria and and uh, denge or denage or whatever it's called, were both carried by bloody mosquitoes. That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, bloody I, I know dude. I know what the problem is. It's mozzies. Freaking mozzies, dude. Like So crazy. does any, like does anyone like mozzies? Even I'm trying I'm trying here to like be pro insect and pro bug, but I don't know, man. Inst like mosquitoes <laughs> seem to just be vectors of, I, of yeah, disease. I, I don't approve. I, they, they, <laughs> like, there's a lot now. Like, I, I, I'm extremely negative about all these things. And yes, I hate spiders. But in a world without spiders, there'd probably be way more bugs around that would bother me way more. So you know, it's a if if they keep to their side of the house, aka stay outside of my house. And I say, nice and cozy inside of my house. That's fine. But mosquitoes, I think that even if they do something good, like if they're involved in pollination or something like that, they also carry diseases, which probably has over half of the world's population at risk That's of getting sick. absolutely mental. Which is cuckoo. So, I don't know. But then, so I remember reading before about they were trying to, maybe if they release these genetically modified mosquitoes mm -hmm. that could reproduce with other mosquitoes that would carry a genetic defect that would allow them to reproduce, oh my God, I remember but that. they would die and they wouldn't be able to spread the disease. And it was a thing that they, would, they wouldn't be able to reproduce as much and eventually they would die out. That is a, a really cool idea. It's a cool idea, but, and there's always a but, uh, it's the idea of tampering with the, like, the balance of nature. Like, mosquitoes are everywhere, dude. They're everywhere. There's millions and billions, probably, of mosquitoes in the world mm -hmm. to actually bring about the extinction of a species is, for one, ethically a problem but you cannot predict the 
the chaos that may follow. You don't mm. know how much it is, and it doesn't matter what bug you take out of nature. Something's going to suffer if you get rid of it, because something eats the mosquitoes. Yeah. And maybe the mosquitoes eat something that's destroying the world. Maybe the well, mosquitoes yeah. are killing the humans, and the humans are the ones destroying the world. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's all of these, <laughs> you know... No, I so, totally get what you mean. There's yeah, this man. weird and kind of inhuman it's not something that we could see as moral but it works in all ecosystems that mosquitoes are vectors of disease and disease keeps populations within their stable and sustainable limits in terms of abundance size how many of them Mm -hmm. so um in the case but i mean in the case of people in Africa, I don't think that is at all um, a good thing that's happening. But oh, maybe for not, yeah. example, certain mammals in Africa, certain um, agricultural animals, maybe that's okay. Yeah. That the disease can keep their populations at a, a sustainable level. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting one to think about just because because it leads into like a, a lot of other things like um, there's always the uh, discussion of how to um, get like the, the like to get a disease out of the population to get a disorder out of the population. And it, it's such a huge ethical question mm-hmm. that's always popped around. And it's like, even though the option is there you can never take it mm-hmm. because the downstream effect and and not only that, but it's the downstream effect that you can't predict, but it's also the door you're opening. The moment you say that that's okay, there's an argument, every weaker argument for mm-hmm. other bugs or other vermin or anything like that, that those arguments get a lot stronger. Oh, well, you did it with mosquitoes. Why don't we get rid of pigeons? <laughs> no, yeah. no, but seriously, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a thin line to to walk across because uh, every time you make it, every time something like that becomes allowed, it becomes part of someone else's argument yeah. for something else. Which and, is, you know, and not to mention that there are several benefits that we can receive from insects. Well, I mean, hmm. not even to mention the fact that biodiversity, the biodiversity of insects alone is so important for the normal function of human life. Mm-hmm. How plants are pollinated, uh, you know, flies and uh, bees and wasps and all sorts of different um, uh, small insects like that. Um, they're pollinating mm-hmm. and they're keeping um, uh, agricultural plants and uh, natural plants uh, germinating basically um, uh, reproducing properly and dispersing and mixing and everything so um, not even to mention that but there's actually I've done some reading on the fact that there are direct human uh, benefits from certain insects and Mm. weirdly enough from those that me and you were talking about the bugs that we don't like the most um mm. spiders and scorpions mm. the ones that produce uh venom oh. yeah um Go so on. there's there's this I'm ready. there's <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. there's a lot of research coming up now that so venom is extremely potent okay and what venom does is it basically causes your blood to either turn into jelly. It causes it to, mm. um, your causes uh, your skin to break down. Um, it can cause several things. But when you dilute the venom, you actually find that if you dilute it enough, you can get it down to a dilution factor that is only potent enough to kill certain microbes. For example, um, bacteria, um, okay. certain fung- fungi, and certain um, you know certain other That's other in- other insects. So um, there's a lot of research around the world that is uh, looking at this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the, the I have a I have a, a pretty cool fact here. Like if you get um if you get venom from a garden spider. Okay. One that you just find yeah. your everyday garden spider. Um mm-hmm. a half a millionth of a liter of venom diluted ten thousand times okay. can kill most antibiotic resistant microbes. Um wow. and, and we'll actually I'll mention what antibiotic resistant microbes are. Um there we have this problem nowadays, uh, Andrew, that mm. in hospitals uh, mostly where we have been administering antibiotics, uh, the same antibiotics in hospitals for so many years that certain bugs in hospitals are becoming resistant uh, to uh, to the antibiotics. Um, certain microbes are becoming resistant to these antibiotics. So, and we're we're people are dying who shouldn't be from mm-hmm. uh, normal infections because we can't find a new antibiotic to stop that yeah. uh, infection from taking them over. So yeah. it's estimated nowadays that it's between seven and 800,000 people are killed each year due to antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections. Yeah, which is crazy, yeah. And it's also probably important to note that... Um, a lot of the antibiotic resistant uh, antibiotic resistance originates in agriculture, from the overprescribing of antibiotics to cattle, mm-hmm. um, where basically then all of the little microbes that are in the cattle that go into the milk, they all get exposed to all of these antibiotics, and the moment one of them comes into contact with you, it's nearby impossible to kill. Yeah. And uh, it's it's probably a good thing to actually say at this point to say, finish your full course of antibiotics. <laughs> That's yes. so, so so to just qu- quickly go through why because when you feel better, you are winning the fight with the bugs in your system. You are you have now taken control. However, you have only killed the crappy little bacteria that had you sick. The the ones that were vulnerable. The vast majority of them were, you know, really bad and really crap and, you know, not that strong, but they made you sick. But let's say you're nine days into your 14 14, uh, days of your antibiotics, you've killed the majority. But the ones that are left are survivors and they're stronger. Mm -hmm. And you need to keep taking antibiotics to kill them because otherwise you've only eliminated the weak bacteria and allowed the strong bacteria to continue to spread and that is how you develop um, antibiotic resistance. Mm-hmm. You don't take all of your antibiotics that you are prescribed. You, you, you basically encouraged evolution. You said, okay, I'm going to kill off all the weak ones, but I'm going to let the good ones get out. You know, let someone else deal with that. So you There's- have to take all of those antibiotics. That's a perfect way to say it, man. Um, and and so I think it's a great thing that researchers are looking at the strangest things to just try and find an answer to how can we kill these antibiotics? Mm-hmm. Or how can we kill these uh, antibiotic-resistant microbes? Mm-hmm. Um, so turns out it's by super-diluting spider venom. That's so cool. And also mm-hmm. yucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know how else to put it. It's like, uh, like, like uh, I understand how I, I imagine it'd be like, okay, we're just going to inject drug with name that's very long and I don't understand. But in my head, all I'm imagining is they're like, okay, we're getting the jar with the tarantula in it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just going to give you a kiss. And it'll make you better. And I'll be like, oh, God, no, thank you. I'm not going to. My mom used to say something to me when I was younger. So like when I'd fall over and scrape my knee or something, right? She'd be like, all right, all right, Andrew, you're scared. Okay, we're going to get you to hospital. We're going to get you to the nurse. And the nurse is going to take out the big, big needle and stick it into your leg. And that will make you feel better. And I I muted immediately. I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. No, I'm not doing that. And that's kind of how I imagine, <laughs> that's how I imagine this venom. They'd be like, okay, we're just going to get the spider. And I'd be yeah. like, I'll die young. It's okay. I had a good run. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get through this. I don't want to, I don't want to be a problem. Um, uh, let, let the spider kiss someone else. 
That's so funny, yeah. man, because I think th- th- that is hilarious. There are so many drugs that are made from insect venom, um, from venom of other animals as well, mm-hmm. spider venom, uh, uh, um, snake venom, yeah. viper venom. Uh, there is a lizard in North America that... Uh, the venom from the lizard was developed into one of the most um, influential drugs for monitoring type 2 diabetes. That's awesome. So you have to think of these biocompounds as, you know, the the pharma industry is using these biocompounds and and basically it's, it's like cheating on a, an exam it's like stealing yeah an idea it's a it's a biological yeah. uh it's it's like a it's plans mm-hmm. yeah it's biological a... plans for a compound and yeah. pharmaceutical companies will look at these biological plans and say okay that's uh pretty good a uh, swipe and then they yeah. take that and they turn it into one that will work well in humans and that makes complete sense because yeah. developing a drug takes like 20 years mm-hmm. from start to finish, mm-hmm. like to get it over the line. 95% yeah. of them don't ever get to people and it costs hundreds and hundreds of millions of euros per drug. So if you were looking at that outset and be like, I could um, I could develop a drug from scratch. Yeah, cool. Okay, I just need to find all that money. Or... I know that uh, this snake messes people up pretty good. It's been it's been working on this venom for like a million years. I would uh, I'd say it's pretty good. I should try and work with that venom and see if I can get it to work for me and not against me. Yeah, you know, like it's it's cool. From the, I love that idea because I also love the idea. Like, imagine if they found a big cure for a big disease and they were like. All you needed was a kiss from the yellow fish in the Caribbean and <laughs> and it will cure your problems, you know, like some, something crazy. I love the idea of that. And they're like, the answer was it was there all along. <laughs> That's know? really funny that you say that, man. Um, there's one other example that um, researchers got from native aboriginals in uh, the aboriginal people in Australia, mm. natives of the 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 country um they when they got a cut uh you know the grandmother or the the elder of their um tribe would say yeah okay if we need to find an ant colony of course i'm going back to ants of course you love them um and they would dig and dig and dig uh, about you know some of these ant colonies can be uh, three or four feet deep um, they would dig down um, until the ants were uh, under attack. They felt under attack. So they would all come out, especially the, wari- the warrior ants. Um, uh, the warrior ants have a type of venom in their in their uh, mandibles, in their yeah, mouth, yeah. in their mouth parts. Um, they would get a towel and uh, the elder would basically um, bundle up all of the ants on the towel. Yeah. Uh, get them all pissed off and then shake the towel off and put it on the person's cut. And researchers have only recently found out that, uh, first of all, ants have glands on their butts and Mm. they produce, they're really good with their butts. Like they just do lots of things with their butts. (laughs) They're really into that stuff. Okay. Um, but said this. <laughs> they, they, they actually produce natural antibiotics out of these glands on their abdomen, which is on so basically cool. their butt. And uh, the, the antibiotics rub off onto the towel or onto the, the piece of cloth that the elder wrapped around the, the young girl's uh, scrape mm-hmm. on her leg. Yeah, well. And now researchers have realized, oh, well, yes, that was actually, um, there's a thousand different antibiotic compounds in in that uh, gland. That is nuts. It's pretty cool. So I love that stuff. Like, that's... These anecdotal... Yeah. This anecdotal knowledge of medicinal purposes from random things. Yeah. 
especially ants, because why not? Because you love ants. That's right. And and so I think there's one more major benefit from insects um, for humans. Okay. Uh, and it might be a bit of a stretch for me to say, but, uh, you know, bugs as food uh, is an idea. And it's an idea that may cure world hunger. And it may also cure climate change. So I'm going to need a drink if you're going to talk to me about eating bugs. But go on. <laughs> like, so, I know, I know. Like, you're saying that. But uh, if you've ever watched I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and you see them with a table in front of them. The Bush Tucker trials. They're not very pleased with their the delicacies in front of them. Um yeah. I get you. I get you. Mm. Um, but a bush tucker trial is a first of all, it's usually a live insect, and oh. it's a raw insect. Oh. So you know, maybe when, or maybe in the time of early humans, you know, um, tens of thousands of years ago, we ate raw meat, but we don't eat raw meat anymore. True. Um, we don't like to eat raw cow. We don't run after cows and just bite into them anymore. Like that's that's we've we've evolved. We we've uh, we've got there, Andrew. We're we're the, there. The 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 the, <laughs> the bravery of the man who chased <laughs> down a cow and bit its arse off. <laughs> exactly. Is a is a mighty creature. That's a, we, we've 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 evolved a long way in a different direction from that lad. So first of all, you don't eat an insect raw. Okay. You cook. You cook an insect, right? Um. So once an insect is cooked, it can taste a lot like other meats of other animals. Because these insects, I mean, they're full of protein. Um, in uh Asia, in China, uh, especially, insects are a very normal part of their diet. Um, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much because in especially in China, um, there would have been a lot of issues with food security. Um, So they like to eat a lot of weird stuff, but they've found out a way of creating these more than edible, tasty uh, snacks and proteins and um, supplements made of insect protein Mm. and insect powder. Um, One of the coolest there. So the (laughs) bugs as food in Europe is just not a thing yet. No. Our idea, we're still freaking out about the daddy long legs in the top corner of our room. Fairly. Fairly. Okay. Fairly. <laughs> for, some the, of, for some of us, for some of us, us gentle souls. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Around the world, the perception of insects is completely different. In Asia, in especially in China, their idea of an insect is completely different and it's it's already happened their per, it, their minds have been changed you know it's funny you mention that but when i was reading for this i actually found out that the continent which is most afraid of spiders is europe mm-hmm. even though you know if i would have expected australia yeah or somewhere else with all the big actually dangerous spiders but no it's europe that has very few to know dangerous spiders in comparison to other continents so So it's a fear of the unknown sort of thing yeah i suppose it is i suppose it's a i don't know man it's it's weird but like in that sense again it might have just been something passed down passed down passed down as like bugs are yucky bugs are yucky bugs are yucky but to be honest in the same way that if you're brought up in a household that consistently eats healthily you you learn to like that food Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what you eat, you learn to like it. Um, and I imagine it's the same way that if you were raised to eat these buggy diets, mm-hmm. you'd go, this is totally normal. And yeah. I will keep doing this. Yeah, it's but normalization. I, yeah. yeah, it's normalization. Absolutely. And like, I think it's tough for us to imagine because like, I was brought up where I eat my highly processed food and then mm-hmm. I'm like, and then I get a treat, which is something even more processed and full of even more sugar. Yeah. And that's my, that that's like my foundation, which is mm-hmm. not good, mm-hmm. which is not good. But um, like it, that's something, as, it, probably a, 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 like a step sideways. But it's also the fact that the cheapest food 
and the easiest food is highly processed, very sugary, and not uh, biosustainable. Okay. Whilst when you think of something like bugs, it's it's something that like, well, first you'd have to have a little bug farm, mm-hmm. and which you know shouldn't be too difficult. Like, actually, that's a good question, Aiden. How do you collect the bugs? Well, I mean, it would all all of these bugs, if they were to be turned into human food, they would need to be farmed from n- completely new colonies. So they would, okay, yeah, they would get wild species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would culture them f- and basically farm them for several generations wow. until, without a doubt, you can say these bugs have never been in the wild. They have only ever been in these farms. And yeah. I mean, that was a good word you said there. It, it needs to be sustainable. And how sustainable mm. would this be? Well, um, there are bug farms around the world. They do make certain bugs and they turn them into certain food products. Um, a bug farm uh, is something in terms of its size, its consumption of water and food and energy would be mm. something like a thousandth as much as a plant um, yeah. uh, agriculture or uh, even thousands of times less than of course cattle Mm -hmm. so the sustainability aspect of it is ridiculously high it would be incredibly sustainable uh these uh, you know first of all bugs don't really know that they're in a farm their perception of space is as we said extremely small compared to you in order to make a happy uh, a farm with cattle it needs to be several acres of um, course yeah you know and in terms of even plant agriculture you need lots of land yeah I, that makes total sense I think I like watched a documentary before and they were just talking about a duck and they were just <laughs> like they were like think about how much land it takes to have a duck mm-hmm. and to get a duck from you know, hatching it to the marketplace. And mm-hmm. you were like, yeah, when we when we think of it on the surface level, you just have a little duck pen, with a little duck pond, and <laughs> you feed the duck and you eventually kill the duck. Okay? like, But you have to remember, every day you're feeding that duck corn or seeds, and every day you're feeding that duck food which was taken off a different farm which took up a significant Mm -hmm. amount of space and you have to feed it that stuff every day of its life Mm -hmm. think of how much like plant life goes into the production of a duck (laughs) (laughs) and you know but how unsustainable that is that let's say even if we then because all of that food you gave the duck you could give to a human yeah and that would be a month's worth of meals Mm-hmm. Whilst a duck is a knight, that's the de- that's what un- that's so unsustainable. Mm-hmm. A duck is a knight, and all of that corn could be a month. And then when you talk about insects, it's again it's even more sustainable. It's just like it, it, the amount of insects to the amount of resources you need to put into it is surely quite stable. And what these insects can be turned into is things that don't look like insects. Ideal. You wouldn't (laughs) even know that you're eating a... You're eating a chicken ball. You're eating a a sausage. You're eating something that you don't know that it's actually made up of uh, mushed up insect. Yeah, and that's such a good point because like... like, like Like I said, like the normalization... Like sausages are delicious, but they're they're disgusting. <laughs> they're, you know, like like the what they actually are. No, they're they're, they're just the leftovers for the most part of the pig. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like if I if you gave me that in a bucket and said, "By the way, we're going to make a few sassies for you out of this stuff now." I'd be like, "Oh, no god." But because it because we're a step separated from that process, we're like, "Oh, sausages, lovely breakfast." Nice. Yeah. You know, and there it'd be was, the same way with bugs. There was a whole process to get people to like agriculture of uh, beef and poultry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay? 
slaughterhouses aren't fun. No, they're not. And you should know from the name. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. they cannot uh, make a euphemism for that. Okay. Um, and somehow we think it's okay to eat a burger made of beef, yeah. or to make uh, or to eat a chicken breast. Yeah. So there is. Uh, some simple normalization that could potentially occur and we might find ourselves eating chicken balls made of insects. Yeah. No. I wouldn't mind. I, I, it'd be nice to get one back on the spiders. Mm-hmm. You know, be like, ha! Get wrecked. By, far- by farming them and turning them into yeah. chicken balls. Lovely. And I, I, I'd chomp on them and I'd be like, good enough for you. <laughs> Look, we, we all have to find different motivations when we're thinking about this stuff. Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> so insects as food. Yeah. They could solve a lot of food security issues, potentially. Yeah. And they could also make food production slightly more sustainable. Yeah. They could save the world. Could they save, I would say. Could yeah. they save the world? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I grew up think being told that any one of you could save the world. Why not a bug, you know? They can be scary. They can be tasty, potentially. Um, they can be medicinal. Yeah. Uh, they can be nightmarish. Yeah. But uh, all in all, they're just pretty much sex freaks, aren't they? <laughs> is that, that's the conclusion of all of this, is it? <laughs> And ants are cool. Uh, ants are, oh, we'll, we'll end with ants are cool, because to be fair, ants are cool. This is the end of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time. If you're feeling generous and you're not completely skint, why don't you give us some money? Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. 